great to be with you. We are now three weeks into a series that we've called Crossing the Divide. And there is a PowerPoint that I hope will go up on the screen soon to to follow along with that. But for me, it's been really great to see and to hear already the conversations and the prayers and that have already been taking place. And I've noticed these especially in some of the small groups that have started and that are working through um, these themes uh, throughout the week. And one of the things that stands out for me is how, as I said in the video, how amazingly different um, we all are. And yet somehow by God's uh, mercy and and by a miracle um, of God, we are able to somehow get along. And I I just think that's amazing and, and it's great. If you want to, if you if you if you're not part of a, a small group at all, or if you're not part of a group that's exploring um, these this series um, throughout the week, feel free to get in touch, contact the office, or, or get in touch with me, and, and we'd love to make space for you as well. Now, in, in the series, we've we've already heard of the need for us all to be reconciled with God through the reconciling gift of God's Son, which is a gift. But we've also heard that we who have been reconciled with God are now called and empowered to play our part in God's much greater work of reconciling and making peace among all things and people in God's creation as well. In our communities, in our schools, in our workplaces, and in our homes, we are God's peacemaking team. And so we want to be good at that as a community here ourselves. So as we think about that today, I I wonder, in the story that we will hear from the Bible, which is going to be John chapter 4, I wonder what we will notice about the ways that Jesus was crossing the divides of the world to make peace himself. And I wonder how this might inspire us and lead us in the divisions that we are aware of ourselves. There may be divisions with each other um, or with someone who you live with or who you work with through the week. Or it may be a division between us and God. Bearing in mind that a division between any of us here and someone else will invariably become some sort of, will, will most likely become some sort of division between us and God as well. So in a moment we'll be reading from the Bible, Gospel of John, chapter 4. But before we do, in fact, in fact, I'm actually going to read through this passage with you at the end. Um, because before we do, I want to share a little bit of background um, of the story that will help us to hear what the message is for us today. So... Some of you have seen some pictures like this, which are puzzles, right? It's a puzzle where the challenge is to find all of the things in the picture that, are, that is wrong. Can you see a few? How many things in this picture can you see that are wrong? We won't try to find out all the things that are wrong in this one. But in the passage in the Bible that we're just about to hear, 
There are, there are all sorts of things that would have been seen at that time when it occurred as being wrong in this as well. And we're, we're going to look for these things as we go on. This is a picture of the scene from John chapter 4 as it's filmed in The Chosen. And if you haven't seen or heard of The Chosen, then I definitely recommend that you take a look, even if it's just for the depiction of this, of this scene here. It is beautiful. It's a beautiful depiction of this scene. Now, the scene itself, we should know, comes at a time when Jesus is in the middle of a trip where he is heading north. And in those days, to travel north from the region of Judea to Galilee, where he was going by foot, there were two different ways that you could go. But as for Jesus, in this case, he's taken the route that goes straight through the one place that all other Jews in his time would have wanted to, have, would have wanted to avoid. It was the home of the Samaritans, who ever since the time, the biblical time of the exile, had been enemies of the Jews. And the same was felt in reverse, even though, in fact, they were like cousins. It was a big family feud. And so the first thing that we should know is that to any normal person of the time, this scene is wrong, even right from the start, because this is not where a man like Jesus was supposed to be. He is crossing a divide. But as the story goes on, we are told that Jesus has stopped by a well, as Jesus stops by a well for a drink. And as he, as he lifts up his eyes to see something new, to see someone new, he begins to open the way to bring change to this long and painful cycle of conflict and of hate. And he does this when most other people in these kinds of places are often much more inclined to, to build walls or to run away and hide. We want to invo- avoid our conflicts and our divisions because it's much more comfortable um, that way, or so it seems. And so Jesus lifts up his eyes to see someone new, someone who's different. Which is the next thing that would seem horribly wrong to any observers in this scene. It was a woman, and a Samaritan woman at that. Well, Jesus himself was a man and a Jew. And to add to the drama, they were alone. Now, in those days, Jesus was a highly respected teacher of the law, who should have had every interest in keeping himself pure. Pure. Meanwhile, she, this woman, was quite clearly not regarded in those days as being pure at all. And we'll see why this is so. Indeed, just the fact that it was the middle of the day when it was hot should be a clue at which time anyone else 
anyone else was not there. There was no one else who was there. But if you come in the morning or in the evening when it was cool, it was a, it was a wonderful place to meet, like New World or Countdown or or in town, or in, in, our ch- in church here today. It's a wonderful place to meet and to be together, to have a conversation, to catch up on, on life. Unless, of course, you're the subject of these conversations and the gossip and the jokes yourself. She was a woman who was rejected by the Jews and who was rejected by her own, as we'll soon in the passage hear why. But that, in fact, is not all, as any real scholar of the Bible might also notice and see um, as, as they would pick up some strange echoes in this story as it's told in the Gospel of John. Of the many other stories in the Bible, like this as well, of those men who had first met their wives by a well. Like the man who had first dug this well himself, where they were now. Do you know his name? His name was Jacob, like our son. And what about his his wife, his wife-to-be? Her name was Rachel. And in Genesis chapter 39, you can read how when, he first, when she first met her husband-to-be, it was a scene just like this. And she was asked by Jacob for a drink. Now, why does this seem to look and sound wrong? Well, it's because on the surface, it looks like these straight, it looks like Jesus and this stranger are on a date. And yet because of her background and where she's from, they weren't even supposed to talk. They're going to to share a, a vessel for a drink. But to bring all of this now together, you'll see that it all actually connects with this theme of two very different or divided groups being reconciled back together to become one. Just as once upon a time, Jacob and Rachel's marriage would have been a similar symbol of peace between, in, the, in the difficult relationship between their two respective dads. Later, there was also the division that was healed between Jacob himself. And, his, and with his brother too. And this all sort of sits, would you believe it, in the background of the story of a, of a, of a um, Samaritan woman and a Jew. Where it seems, but in a very different way, to be playing out again between these two very different people, both descended from their ancestor Jacob, who dug this well. So I need to say that we, we're actually given a very clear hint in this passage of a, of a wedding or of a marriage that's to be. But it's not the kind of wedding or, or marriage that, that we or, or anyone at the time might have thought. It's, it's a very provocative 
suggestive sort of um, scene. But instead, what we're being asked to imagine in this story is is a wedding and and a sort of a coming together from across the divides of two otherwise warring or fighting groups. In this case, the Samaritans and the Jews. But but who were once, it's important for us to know, from the 12 tribes of, of Jacob and who were once one united people before God. Just as we too are called to be one united people before God ourselves as a church. So do you see the link? Yeah. It's a story about who Jesus is. But it's what this means for our lives that's important for us today. So what I would like to do now is is to begin to open up this passage. If you have a Bible, you might want to follow along because I I won't put every single word up on the screen. Uh, and, And there will be the occasional little bit that I will miss for the sake of time. But let's listen to this passage that's themed around a wedding. As it's actually introduced, as I just recently discovered in the chapter before, in the words of Jesus' cousin John, where John says, John says this, in the immediate chapter and thought before, John says, the bride belongs to the bridegroom, the friend, and that is John, the friend who attends the bridegroom waits, and he listens for him, and he's full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine. John says, and it's now complete. This is the curtain raiser to this scene, and now let's open up this together. And as we do, let's be curious. Remember to be curious. Let's remember to be present, and let's remember to invite the Holy Spirit to shape our imaginations for the, for the purpose of the message that is being brought to us here today. Perhaps as this character in the story you might be drawn to be curious about the most. Pay, pay attention to that and be present with that. Um, and let's see what God might say. This is John chapter 4. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. So he left Judea and he went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, he sat down by the well. It was about noon When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to, to buy some food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? 
For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Now listen carefully to the conversation that comes next. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock too? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What does the woman say? She says, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water in the heat. Now, is she teasing or joking or being real? We don't know. But Jesus says to her in response, he says, go, call your husband and come back. To which this woman replies, I have no husband. Hmm. You are right. Jesus says, when you say that you are not married. Indeed, the fact is that you have had five husbands already. And the man you have now is not your husband. And so what you have said is true. Hmm. Sir, I can see you are a prophet. She goes on. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Now in this case, it's important to be clear that Jesus was not speaking in that moment about the temple. He was not speaking about ethnicity or, or blood or, or any other divides that we might put in between us and someone else. But Jesus was speaking about himself. Because in Jesus, God has offered us a way through all of our conflicts and our divisions and hates and all of the things that have kept us apart. He goes on, a time is coming, you know, and has already come 
when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, you know, and worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Jesus is offering us a way to imagine change. Jesus is saying that it's no longer about a place or about the things that might so often cause us to have our divides. This is my place and this is yours. You have the mountain. We have the temple over here. If I'm right, then you, of course, must be wrong. And there's no other way. These are the ways that we often think. But instead, Jesus, the bridegroom, in Jesus, the bridegroom, we're all being called to embrace something new, something that is different from what we have known in the past. Not something, in fact, but someone. And whatever we put or hold on to, or worship before him will create a divide. In the Psalms, I read with the music team before, in Psalm 86, it says, Give me an undivided heart so that I might, so that I might fear your name, God. Give me an undivided heart. And as I speak, I pray that the Spirit of God will enlighten us to our divides, to the divides that are in our hearts, because they are keeping us from God. And they are keeping us from the future and the dreams that God has for this church. Be present. If you're looking on your phone right now, you are not being present. (laughs) So the woman says, I know that Messiah is coming. I know Messiah is on the way. And when he comes, he will explain it all. She hadn't yet seen who Jesus was. So Jesus says, I, it's I, the one who is speaking to you, I am he. And with that, Jesus has invited her and has invited us to move away from all of our petty conflicts and fears and ideas. Like, because you're a Jew, why are you asking me for a drink? Move on, move away. Jesus calls her to himself. And he's inviting us all to see that there is a different and much better way for us to be. Now in this story, this is not actually yet at the end. But instead what what happens is that now along come Jesus' friends, his, his disciples. And would you believe it? They were surprised to find him talking with a woman. 
and a woman, of course, like her. But no one asked him, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Can you imagine the scene? Can you imagine the this, this sort of the awkward silence as they arrived and, and not sure what to say? But I want us to see what is happening in this moment in this woman's heart. I want us to see what is happening in this woman's heart. Perhaps in the hearts of the disciples too, but that's a little bit more unclear. I want us to see what is happening in this woman's heart as she now leaves her jar, her water jar, and she goes back to the town and to its people. And she says, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the one? Could this be the Messiah? So they came out of the town and they made their way to him. What follows is a conversation about food. And Jesus says to his disciples, Do you know what, guys? My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish off his work. Don't you have a saying? You know, it's four months until the harvest. But I tell you now, open up your eyes and look. Look at the fields. They are ripe. Look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. Even now, Jesus says, even now the one who reaps draws in a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Jesus is describing the scene, what he's just been through himself. As we hear later from from verse 39, what went on is that many of the Samaritans from the town, they believed in Jesus because of what the woman said. He told me everything I ever did. So when they all came out to Jesus, they urged him to stay. And because of his words, many more of them came to believe as well. The fields are ripe for the harvest. Give me an undivided heart. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because what you said. We now have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. The fields are ripe. Give us an undivided heart, Lord. We live in a world of divides. And sometimes all sorts of hurts and ideas and assumptions about what other people think can get in the way of those divides being healed. And the same is true with us and God. You know, sometimes we even assume that God is something that God is not because we don't take the time to listen, to be present. To be curious about what God might think or want to say. 
But Jesus shows us in the in this passage how our assumptions and our, our hurts can act more like a wall than like a bridge where we might otherwise cross over the space to engage and be present. We need to know that others who we know might have barriers or walls as well. And we need to give them time and give them space and be be curious to find out why. And with a little bit of openness and time, what we can see and what what Jesus has modeled for us in this passage, what we can see is that with a, a little bit of openness and time and with a little bit of being present without judging what another person thinks or what they say, we can start to let down our barriers and our walls and we can gradually start to cross these divides. But it takes time, doesn't it? And it takes, it takes effort and it, and it takes um, these habits for us um, over a period of time to make this work. So I'd like to just finish off this time, round off this time, by inviting us all to consider. One, in what ways have we allowed walls or divides to form between us? Or between someone in this church or or someone out there who you know, who we know? One. Two, in what ways are we enabling these walls or these divides to remain or to grow? But perhaps increasingly, maybe, maybe listening and engaging with only the voices that are like our own or only the people who are like ourselves. They call these echo chambers. And it doesn't help with us being able to cross these divides. It only undermines trust and, and, and further builds these walls. It only builds trust, distrust and fear. And the last thing I want to invite us to do is to consider what very simple steps of being curious, being present, and inviting God's Spirit to guide us to imagine new ways to see and to be, could we engage in this week? What simple habits of being curious, being present, and being inviting the Holy Spirit to invite to ask to, to guide our imaginations? What habits could we engage with this week? Perhaps, perhaps even today, over a cup of coffee or tea. Jesus shows us the way, as we've heard today, by engaging this woman without fear or bitterness or shame or hate, and he gives her time. He engages with her story in a way that is solely based on where she was at. And what flows, what happens, what happens in her heart, This is the vision that Jesus has for us too. It's as if her whole village had come to faith. Revival in this town. The fields are ripe, Jesus says, 
and they are ready for the harvest. Give us undivided hearts, Lord. I pray. And from Revelation 22, verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of this water of life that Jesus has for us today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, the gift of radical love and reconciliation is a gift that you offer to us all. And you give it in such a way that we would then overflow with the joy of being able to share this gift with others too. Just like the woman who we saw in this passage here. Father God, would you remind us now of the ways that we have sinned and have fallen short from you, in the ways in which we have created our divides, Lord, our divisions, and our thoughts, and our actions, and our hearts. Let me just take the briefest of moment now to confess these all to you. Spirit of God, search our hearts. And we ask that you would do a work inside us, Lord, like a surgeon, removing our hearts of stone and replacing them with hearts of flesh that are warm, undivided for you. God of grace, thank you that when we were lost, you found us. And when we were ashamed, you forgave, nailing the accusations against me against us to the cross. We receive your forgiveness now. and We ask your spirit to do a mighty work in us for your glory and for the sake of this town. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.